0: All right, today we're going to be in the book of Romans. I have that in the bulletin there, Romans chapter 11. Uh, smack dab in the middle of this chapter. It's kind of weird to, to start off with that. Um, before I begin into the message, I, I want to share something with you that helped me move forward in this very message because I was struggling with it this week, mostly struggling because I was so tired from work. Um, and uh, you can't really write a sermon if you're falling asleep while writing it, so Uh, Today, again, I want to tell a little story. Many of my colleagues recently have been eulogizing Dr. Donnelly, uh, rightfully so, on social media, sharing memories and photos of our district superintendent who's just recently passed away. Um, I had a handful of experiences with him uh, over the last four years, and I want to share one of those with you this morning. You see, believe it or not, Coming up with a coherent 20 to 30 minute biblical presentation each and every week is actually hard work. I'm not complaining by any means, but I never realized how hard it would be to stay fresh and not repeat the same old passages. I also didn't want to recycle old sermons from a different congregation in a different time and a different place. I find doing that actually. Harder than writing brand new sermons to begin with. So all of this to be said, I had been here, the story goes, I had been here in Viroqua for a little while, and I was concerned with hitting an inspirational wall, so to speak, as far as writing sermons go. Uh, at a district event, I casually asked Dr. Donnelly, we were probably in line for food, by the way, I asked Dr. Donnelly for some advice on this matter of sermon prep, and, and when he t- what he told me, I typed down in my phone's notepad app. And in fact, um, to, to put this into my sermon, I actually searched my notepad app for that exact note. And here's what he told me. There's three things that you want to you wanna do in a sermon when it comes to the scripture. What does it say? What does it mean? And what can I do with it? What's it say? What, what does the text actually say? Read it. In plain English, read it. That's what what's it say means. What's it mean? Go deeper, give some context to the world in which it was spoken. What's at the heart of this passage? And then what can I do with it? Um, What is the call to action? How can someone live out or apply this thing that we've learned about from the scripture? Apply it to their lives. Usually my, my inspiration wall, I'll tell you, is I usually led with that last one. I always started with the application. For some reason, I had to jump there. And I needed to slow down and do these other pieces first. You see, every time I hit a wall, I came back to this simple guidance. It is with that that we begin again, examining together Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 24. I want to read that for us this morning. Again, I ask... Did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? I am talking to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make sure I make much of my ministry, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches." If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over those branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say, then, branches were broken off, so I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. If, uh, but for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that that is wild by nature, and and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, if you permit me a moment here, nothing to do with the sermon. Just uh, don't want to be sniffling the whole darn time. All right. Now, so that is. That is the scripture itself, but I want to unpack it a verse or a verse or two at a time as we go through it. Um, And you have these pieces in your bulletin with fill in the blanks. You see, what we look at here, and of course, Romans written by Paul, and Paul is writing to the Gentiles in Rome. The Jews, he's saying, the Jews stumbled, but they are still able to be recovered, they're still able to be recovered because of their failure to accept the gospel. The Gentiles have received salvation because of the, the failure of the Jews to accept the gospel. You see, we, we said this in Sunday school a few weeks ago. I remember this. Um, Paul would usually, his pattern was he'd go to a town. He, he would minister and he would uh, go to the synagogue first. He would go to the Jews first and he would teach and he would reason with them over and over again. Until he overstayed his welcome, I guess. And somebody got upset with him and kicked him out of the synagogue. Where'd he go next? Well, next door, where all the Gentiles are hanging out. And all the Gentiles start coming over and hearing this good news. This is a perfect example of what he's talking about here in this passage. The salvation for the Gentiles, hopefully, though, will show the Jews what they are missing. Will show the Jews what they are missing. When we look at verse 12, um, the Jews' loss equals riches for all the world how much greater will the riches be when the Jews do accept the good news? Uh, it was kind of a weird way. He, and I'll just forewarn you, he kind of repeats himself a little bit here in the next couple of verses. Just this, this contrast between, yes, you have something really good and yes, it was at the expense of somebody who didn't want that really good thing. And now the rest of the world gets the riches because the original people didn't want it. How much greater will these riches be when those original ones want back in. I love this piece. (laughs) Paul's addressing in this letter and ministering to the Gentiles. I mean, he says it right at the beginning of 13. I am talking to you, Gentiles. Hello. Check one, two. I'm the, the apostle to the Gentiles. His hope is that the Jews, he still cares about them, the Jews will wake up or become alert and desire what... The Gentiles have. He wants them to have what the Gentiles have. Essentially saying the same thing as the previous verses. Uh, Verse 14: For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Again, saying the same thing, but in a different way. Bigger stakes, if you will. Life from the dead. We look at verse 16, and it's an interesting take. On this idea of dough uh, it says if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy then the whole batch is holy I don't know if you've made dough or bread before um, and I've baked things before and if you don't mix them correctly one piece of it's gonna taste really salty and another piece, uh, part of it's not gonna taste very salty or whatever it's not gonna have the right flavor so you have to mix it real good and make sure it's all worked thoroughly uh, maybe even kneaded, of course, so that you have the same flavor all throughout the entire bread. Well, that same concept is if that part of it was offered as the first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. And then that opens the door for him to talk about branches. He says, if the root is holy, so are the branches. He opens the door to introduces Vines, branches, and the concept of what we're going to talk about here shortly, grafting, grafting. Verse 17, if some of the branches have been broken off, you, the Gentiles, though a wild olive have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, you do not consider yourself to be superior or do not consider yourself to be superior to the other branches. If you do consider this. You don't support the root. The root supports you. Um, I'll unpack this more later, but the very basics idea of it is to properly graft something, some parts must be cut out. Um, let, me, let me draw my fun little demonstration here. So I actually watched a lot a lot of YouTube in order to find out how it looks like to graph something. But I'm just gonna here's a plant. We've got some some parts. We're gonna say it's shorter than you think. Um, and the trunk's right here, the, the root stock, if you will, is what we'll call it here in the, in this, for our purposes today. And you've got all this, all this growth coming off of this. What has to happen to graft into this root is you've got the good root stock here, you've got to cut this off and all of this goes away and you've got a straight cut right there. Now you're like, what? Why, why? And some of these can, can stay. In fact, I watched an Italian video of a, of a, of a, a father and a daughter, an adult daughter, and uh, she was the one videoing it. They were actually doing it to, olive, to an olive tree uh, in Italy. And it was very neat to see the techniques that people use when they graft. But the first thing that we want to look at just for the basis of this verse is, yes, something has to be cut away in order to graft something in. Um, one must cut down some of that original growth. For the shoot, or uh, the technical term is scion, S-C-I-O-N, scion, to be connected to that root. Uh, It makes sense that these branches have to be cut off. Today, we would have used like a handsaw or a knife to cut it away, a nice straight uh, cut. You see, then cutting away or shaving and such will take place so that the new, that wild root that he talks about, that wild uh, will uh, be able to come back and be merged together with this root stock. I'll unpack that a little bit more later, but depending on technique, that's how it looks. Verse 19, you will say, talking about the Gentiles, you're going to say the branches were broken off so I could be grafted in. He's like, yeah, that's true. He's, you know, he, but then he gets directly personal with the Gentiles And the more that I read these verses, it seems a little crass, if you will. Maybe not. But to say, hey, Gentiles, don't get cocky. Don't get cocky. Don't think that you're untouchable, uncuttable, now that you're grafted in. Or that these original natural branches, if they weren't spared, Paul says in verse 21, he won't spare you either. Yes, he made way for you to be grafted in, to receive the promise, the blessing. But don't get cocky. We look down at 21. Uh, appreciate what God has done for you and continue in his kindness, is what he says here in verse 21, 22. Um, and, and this is the hope that we have for the Jews in this verse. Verse 23 and 24. If they, the Jews, if they don't, do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, you were cut off from a, uh, an olive tree as well by nature, contrary to the nature that was grafted into that cultivated olive tree. So the, the, the good olive tree that people have planned on and made and instru- have, have cut and trimmed, intentionally cared for in a specific way, Possibly has been grafted on multiple times. You've been, you've been put into that cultivated olive tree. How much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Gratefulness for those who are grafted in and hopefulness for those who can be grafted in or back in. That's what we see from those verses at the end. Now, again, the, my inclination usually with sermons is I get all excited about the object lesson, I get all excited about the application, and then I forget about all these setup details, the scripture, I know it sounds stupid, but the scripture that led me to this understanding, and they seem to be a, a, a secondary thought. So taking time to unpack those verses, maybe it was rapid fire for you, but just thinking about it that way sets us up to have a deeper understanding of grafting. So let's go a little bit deeper into botany. Uh, have you ever grafted a tree with another? Or maybe a plant with another? Do you know what goes into grafting? Um, well, I've not either, but like I said, I did watch a lot of YouTube, so apparently I'm a week's worth of uh, an expert on the, on the topic, right? Um, oh, so we have, we have this plant here, I did cut off a bit. I'm gonna make a bigger picture here. But essentially, what I saw in these videos, it gets cut off, almost like a tube, cut off right there, a straight line across it to receive the shoot. And the shoot actually, and I wish I had cut some off, we could probably see some off the, the tree outside of our church. Um, they've got the little buds, whether it's a fruit tree or not, they're going to have little buds where the, next, the new growth is going to come out, right? You guys know what I'm picturing here. Uh, that is the shoot, that end, or that end piece, if we're talking apples and stuff like that. It's a little bit different when it comes to olive trees and it looks a little different. But essentially, it's a something that's going to grow very rapidly and it's usually taken off the very end of a branch of the tree that you want to merge with the other tree. One question I had that I didn't know, can you crossbreed species of things? Uh, Can I get, do I need, how do I get an apple tree? Do I have to take a oak tree and and take apple things and try to put it together? It's not like Minecraft, apparently. Gianna, sorry to tell you, it's not. It doesn't work that way. However, citrus trees can be crossbred, So you can have an orange tree and a lemon tree uh, at the same time by doing this, by by successfully doing it. So if you had an orange tree and you had a lemon shoot that has those early stages of growth, you could do this. There's a couple different strategies that take place. I saw one where you actually take the middle of this and you there's a special knife that they use and they make a wedge cut down the center of this, of the rootstock. And then they take what they call the scion. I'm just gonna make a little spindly thing here. They take that and they've got the nice little buds all along the side. And uh, this is the important piece to um, grafting. You do it in the winter time or early spring. There's a reason for that, but that is the timing in which it has to happen, where it's cold. The reason is both pieces are dormant. They're not going to experience, nothing bad is going to happen, they're dormant. They're sleeping right now. What you do with this piece that you've cut off at the end of the tree, is that you create a matching wedge here. At the bottom of it, you shave a good amount. You expose that center piece of the plant and then you merge it right in here. This actually isn't one of the most popular um, ways to do it. There's a couple of different ways. You can actually wedge it in between the bark and the outs and in between the bark here. You can put it through here and you can wedge it into there. Um, the, another strategy was like a side one where you actually shave off a side of this and depending on your scion, you, you match it all the way up here. Now you're like, well, how are we going to get these, these pieces of wood to stick together? You actually use tape and glue. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but it's true. Now, ancient tape and glue, they didn't have in the Bible, right? What, the first things that I saw, and it was actually the, uh, the Italians who were showing this video of actually merging together this olive tree. They did this inside birch side of birch inside the bark um, merging together. And what they did, they wrapped it around with some plastic and then they used clay uh, underneath that plastic and then wrapped it over to seal it in because if any of that gets exposed to air or water, it's bad news. it's not going to take um, because what is really going to merge these things together, is actually once the rootstock wakes up and comes out of dormancy, it starts producing sap. It starts producing, and we actually hear this in the scripture, it starts producing sap and it feeds it into, through this very thin line, however it's connected here, through this very thin layer that has now been touching with with the scion, with the root, with the shoot, excuse me. And as that happens, as this food essentially comes from the root to that new plant that's been grafted in, it's fed, and it starts to receive that, like plant food, if you will. And the cool, one of the cool things, besides the fact that because it's got food, it grows and starts to think, but now it's become part of the root. And just like if you have an injury, hopefully you have the immune system that will build up a, a, a scab, or a scar. What happens in this at this place, my terrible picture, I'm sorry, uh, is that this becomes scabbed over and scarred. And so a person who has done this uh, to trees and plants for years, they can look at that and go, that, that that's where a year ago somebody had, had grafted this in. And I could tell how much scarring has happened there. And it and it naturally, and they'll pull off the plastic and they'll have been merged. Together, and now you have this beautiful this beautiful piece of plant that is now growing, and you'd say to yourself, "Why? Why do this?" And I wondered that too. Uh, why would you do this with an apple tree, or why would you do this with an olive tree? Um, there's a couple different reasons. One being that let's say the rootstock is known for having uh, it's very hardy; it hasn't died in the in the bad weather drought, those types of things, those kinds of genetic hardiness, the hardiness of the plant, and then maybe the type of fruit, you put them together. Essentially, you're genetically splicing, aren't you? Um, You put them together and they get the best of both worlds. That's the hope. You have to do a lot of these things to make sure that they work, right? But that's the idea. The characteristics of the root, especially the hardiness and how how it soaks in water, it feeds that to that. And then the, how, whatever it produces, let's just say the wild olives in this example, they, t- they have a very particular taste to them. and You just know, it's, oh, well, that's a wild olive. But it's also a faster growing, hardier wild olive because now it's been grafted into the rootstock. Or if you wanted to crossbreed some, some types of apples together, you could have one that is this color, but this flavor. And that's how they do this. And another thing, why don't you just let the tree grow? Why would not we just let the tree grow and, and, and produce whatever it does? The other thing is, is that this actually, this grows faster and will give you fruit faster than waiting for the seedling to grow up into a tree. Um, and so you get results quicker that way. And it gives those characteristics. (laughs) Now, just off the top of my head, I just summarized everything in my sermon. So give me a moment to catch up with where I left off here. Um, But my friends, I know you. You're smart people. I think the people listening online when I publish this are also smart. If they were able to hear my ramblings about grafting stuff on and trying to figure out what I drew on a dry erase board, I think you get the connection. I think you can connect the dots today. The analogy that Paul makes with the Gentile Christians as he writes all of this. He says, Gentiles, you're not the root. You're the shoot. <laughs> you are grafted in. Yeah, something had to be cut off to make room for you to be put in there. You're not the root. We find out who the root is the root is Jesus Christ. The root is the promise. The root is God's plan for salvation for the world. And now they're in because of the rejection of the original roots, the original olives, if you will. He says, you were painstakingly grafted, cut into the root. You receive God's holiness. That holiness, let's pretend that's the sap, right? God's holiness because it crosses through. Like a scion that receives sap from the rootstock in spring. So the Gentiles were not originally part of that olive tree Paul talks about. They were wild. And the old original branches that had been cut off to make way for them. But they, those branches can be grafted back in. The Jews still have an opportunity. And he says, you Gentiles could just as easily be cut off too. Again, don't get cocky. Now, one of my brick walls with this sermon is I wanted to start off. It's New Year's. Let's talk about fresh start. Let's talk about uh, something, something catchy with uh, New Year's resolutions. And those things swim in my head. And holiday-themed messages uh, can be easy to just pluck a verse or two out of thin air and put it down on paper and just talk about them. Um, and I think that's a good reason I had a. Brick wall moment. God brought me back to this one because here's the thing that I need to share with you today. At the heart of our church, I personally experienced a fresh start. Um, You all, you've given my family a fresh start. You've given us an opportunity to minister in a way that we've never ministered before. You've provided a home, (laughs) You've provided an opportunity for me to share what God has laid on my heart because you're part of this church. Um, you care and love for your pastor family and uh, tend to our children in Sunday school, Bev. And you're a very important part of our fresh start. And as I had been thinking about that um, over you know, a few years ago, this slogan came to my mind Helping you discover your fresh start in Jesus Christ. I prayed it earlier, we are not salvation. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We point people to Jesus Christ and salvation. We're the ones that highlight those very important characteristics of God. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He bent over backwards for you and me, for the whole human race. And as we looked at last week, he left his father's throne, came to earth to live among us as a human baby. He lived and walked and taught and loved people. Then he would show them how much he loved them. Being arrested, tried, sentenced to death in just a short while. Never fighting back. He even carried his cross until he physically couldn't. And then some out-of-towner had to be called over to haul his cross up the hill. And then he was crucified and disgracefully displayed for all to see. My friends, all of this so that we could have a second chance, or how we phrase it here, a fresh chance. Start, So we could be grafted in to his plan for the world, his plan of redemption. In Romans, Paul clearly desires that, this, that his brethren, the Jews, would change their hearts and follow Christ. That he would keep encouraging those Gentiles to live and continue on in the kindness, the grace of God. The Gentiles didn't do anything to be grafted. Isn't that interesting? This plant didn't say, hey, I'm going I'm to hop into this other plant. Let's see. No. They got snipped off the end. They got shaved down. They got wedged into a thing, wrapped around real tight. Imagine how much, it sounds very violent when I, when I say it like this, and then stuff glooped on top of them. How confused, if, if a plant was sentient, which it's not, how confused would that plant be? Pretty confused. The Gentiles didn't do anything to be grafted. It doesn't say I want to be cut down and shoved into that plant. You know what a, a shoot does, a response to being grafted? Know it's, its response is? Receive. Receive the sap that flows from that close connection between the scion and the root stock. It takes time after grafting happens before those two join together and the sap begins to flow into the grafted scion before they become one branch, one vine. What does that take? It takes patience. You might not see fruit for another couple years off of that scion. You might not see the scarring and the healing happening as soon as you think it would. It takes patience. And there's a noticeable mark, again, When that connection is finally formed, it's a scar, a scab, evidence of healing. That's what it is. Evidence of healing where cutting and chopping took place. Today, we could say one of two things, perhaps. Today, you and I might say, Boy, I am glad that I am grafted in. Thank Jesus, I am in. Or we might say to ourselves, Am I the branch that got cut off? In the book of Acts, Paul and Silas addresses their jailer after God miraculously showed his power freeing all the prisoners. Yet, none of those prisoners left the jail. The jailer was astonished at this and he asked Paul and Silas what he must do to be saved, to be grafted in. Acts 16.31 says this. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. My friends today and those listening online, I ask you, hey, it's 2023. Are you grafted in or are you cut off? If you feel cut off because of your own choices, walking away from the beautiful promise of God, the good news of Jesus is you can come back. The door is open. His arms are open. He died to give you a fresh start. Just like the Jews Paul references in our reading today, you can be grafted back in to the vine. How about you who are in? Are you continuing in his kindness? My word for you today is continue to do so. And perhaps if you're not, are you ready for your fresh start? So is Jesus. He's ready for your fresh start too. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that you have provided a way for us to be grafted in. We thank you for a fresh start and we thank you for redemption even after we have rejected you. Maybe personally, not all of that resonates in our own heart, but we know somebody that it does. And our hearts burn and are burdened for them. And we look at the lives around us and we say, oh, they're so far from God. How can they ever come back? How can they ever meet him for the first time? Everything about that person is so wrapped around sin and so wrapped around everything that is anti-Jesus. And we look at that and we say, were they cut off? They can still be grafted back in because there is the good news of a fresh start, Jesus, and we thank you for it. And each and every day, we have to remind ourselves not to get cocky. Us folks here, we're at church can't be looking down our noses at people who aren't, but we pray for those who would be grafted in and back in to you, Jesus. We pray for your holiness to flow from you and into us that we may reflect you in this world and share and help people discover their fresh start in you, Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen.